Welcome back to the program. Father Nagel's going to lead us in a scripture reading and a prayer. I thought we would begin with the presentation itself from Luke. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Messiah of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Israel of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee and to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Gracious God, we do ask your blessings upon us that, again, the grace, your grace, the grace of the Lord might be upon us and all who listen to us today, that we might have this encounter with the Messiah, of the universe. And so bless this time we spend, we ask through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Father Nagel. So again, it's great to be with you. Uh, I'm here uh, on the west side uh, uh, for the day, uh, meeting with some folks. And um, Ron, we Ron has his typical email that goes out on Wednesday. Hey, are we on for tomorrow? Because for our Thursday pre-records, and there's always the drama. Like, what's yeah. going to be happening? <laughs> Who's in? Who's out? Who's available? Who's not? And first I thought, ah, oh, I'm not available. I'm going to be driving at that time. And I thought, all right, if I'm willing to take one for the team, yeah. get up a couple hours earlier, I can actually get here in time for our pre-record in the morning. So think of what he has sacrificed, listeners, just for you. <laughs> That is who Tom Curran is for you. <laughs> so <laughs> that wasn't why I brought that up. So, um, well, I, I bring this up because um, when I take the long ride across the state, um, I'll begin by praying the 20 decades of the rosary. It's just a, it's just a habit, right? And one of the standards that I am striving to live out better is distracted prayer doesn't count. Mm. And so I don't want to tell you how many of the <laughs> decades I would get to the end of the decade and then say, wait a minute, I didn't really meditate on that decade at all. Rewind and go back and pray it again. So this 20 decades took a little bit longer than the normal 20 <laughs> decades. Did Be- you get it in? I did, I did eventually okay. get it in. It took about an hour and a half rather than an hour. Um, but it was that sense of having a standard that says, you know, prayer ought to be conscious. It ought to be intentional if it's going to be actually sure. prayer, right? If we're going to be aware of what it is we're doing. On, uh, on Friday, uh, uh, Friday's program, Carrie and I were talking about that and how it's something that I have... Um, applied to my own praying of the liturgy of the hours. Mm-hmm. Like when I pray the office of readings in the morning, I find myself going back and rereading the Psalms. Um, I, I know that this is purely theoretical for you, Father, that praying the liturgy of the hours. 
uh, I'll just stop right there. Does this make any sense to you, this idea of the d- distracted prayer, dis- uh, unconscious prayer versus the efforts to make prayer conscious? <laughs> well, not for me, but for other priests I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that in your priest-sharing groups, right? No, it's uh, it's it's very much so. I, I do the same thing. I it, It's true. There's, there are times when you're thinking, what? What did I just pray? What did I? Well, what did I just read? Yeah. And so it's 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 a constant. I think in terms of the rosary, sometimes, sometimes for me, it's, it's it, it can be in between in terms of I'm I'm aware of the prayers, etc. I'm not meditating on the mystery necessarily, um, but I, I'm aware that I'm offering something. So. Um, I, I'm less likely to repeat a decade of the rosary. Plus, I don't have the obligate. I don't feel that same obligation. It's something I choose to do, but it's not something that I've promised to do. Yeah. Well, I think about it as um, I've got this like responsibility to provide a hedge of protection around my family, and and praying the rosary does that. Um, that that's my own personal devotion, right? And um, somehow, if I'm settling for less in that, that somehow the God's protection is diminished. I, I don't know if that's too, um, I don't know if it's legalistic or too, um, like God's like, oh, I wanted to protect your kids more, but darn it, you just didn't pray very well. I think I, I think I have two thoughts about that. On the one hand, I think there's truth to it in the sense of, yeah, distract, you know, if if the mind is, and heart aren't lifted to God, it's not prayer. So if, if it's just rote stuff, then no. I do think for some of those, some of you out there listening, I think if you have a scrupulous tendency, mm-hmm. that it can be that can be kind of dangerous to go into. And what do you mean a scrupulous tendency? Well, it's that's kind of a OCD sort of situation where you see sin where there isn't sin, and you get it's an anxiety uh, that they say I have to do it perfectly or it doesn't count at all, into the to the point where you're you're frozen mm-hmm. or it becomes destructive. And I think again that's not most people, but there are some people for whom that would be kind of dangerous. I mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I, I've known a couple of folks close in to my life who have struggled with scrupulosity, and it is typically around sin, but it, I guess it could also be around, like, did I commit this sin, and am I really sorry for this sin? Have I really confessed it correctly, right. so have I actually been forgiven? Right. And now I've committed another sin, and then it's just a spiral, which is, it. it's painful to watch. It is. Yeah. But I guess you're saying that it, that also could apply to did I perform the virtuous act? Yeah, if I just keep on praying, was that was I attentive enough? Mm-hmm. Because we're human and there are distractions. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> so right. you know that's where there's this you know again for most people it wouldn't really be a big issue. You you know whether you were praying or not. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that if if you in some a lot of times people who are scrupulous or they know it and they've been told that maybe and so if that applies to you. I would say you're probably doing just fine. Yeah. I think some of this is the virtue of hilarity, like not taking ourselves too seriously. Like uh, I'm going to put in the serious effort. Like am I putting in a determined effort to honor God in this prayer? That that would be, I think, a good honest question versus am I just checking the box? Right. And so if I'm making a determined effort, like we make determined efforts about all kinds of things, right? I'm, I'm a focused and attentive when I'm driving. I'm, I'm determined when I... Um, when I'm playing a game, right, a basketball game or something, I want my kids to be attentive. But what about prayer? Like, do we do we uphold any standard other than go through the motions? Right. And that is when we hear in, in Scripture about you know re- repetitive prayer. Thing. That's what they're, they're talking about. It's, it's not like we can't pray a rosary where we do repeat prayers. But there is such a situation where we think if I just do this act often enough, mm-hmm. um, I build up points. Right. I think the other part of it is that um, if we do, if we repeat something so uh, commonly that it loses its um, vitality. So uh, I was reflecting on this um, last week on Sound Insight, um, the way that we begin each of the hours of the Liturgy of the Hours, with, other than the Invitatory Psalm, is the same beginning. Mm-hmm. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. And we say it in a way that's quite casual. But if you took those words, isolated them, lifted them up, and said, what's the situation, the existential reality that someone is in who is saying, Lord, make haste to help me? That's a pretty dramatic situation. 
You're exactly right. And now it's, that's kind of convicting, too, for me, because you're right. I, you tend to say it pretty. Slide right along. This yeah. is just, this is, I'm going through the door. Yeah. God, come to my assistance. Yeah. Lord, make it to help me. Glory yeah. be to the Father. <laughs> I've done this before. Yeah. That's true. And you're going to do it several other times today. Yeah. But uh, I, I, and I just was thinking about how f- striking it was that that's how the, the church is proposing, and, and we'll say the Lord stirring the church to propose, this is how the official church is praying every time we turn to the Lord, from a place of need, crying out for help, and, hey, come with haste, because I'm desperately in need of your help right now. So, And that's the beauty of the, I just think of the liturgy of the hours, it's, going on, it's, it's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned having a hedge around your family. This is really kind of hedge around humanity. Uh, the church, so it is important that we. It is important. Should be done focused. Should be done, please, with a sort of urgency, and should be done well because I think again, um, the planet, I mean, society needs it. Yeah, well, and and I think in some ways that's that whole sense of solidarity in prayer, right? Especially for you, Father, your spiritual Father. So for your people, and then representation, you're standing with Christ the Priest, so High Priest. So you're standing for all of the Church and humanity. That um, even if you're you're doing great, yeah, but you know, there's lots of people who aren't. Lots of people that are in desperate need, and so you're on their behalf coming before the Lord. And I try to. I don't know if I said this on this show before or not, but I I do think. You mentioned um, being aware of starting right. I do say my own little prayer before I begin the Liturgy of the Hours, just saying, here's what I'm doing. Yeah, really? This is who I'm for. Because I, I, it's just what you said. Um, this is for the church. This is for the world. This is for our country. This is for our archdiocese. This is for the people, the, the prayers that so far have been asked this day. Those I've forgotten, those um, who asked to pray, be prayed for. Because this is my intention. When people ask me, hey, pray for me. I can't remember all the prayers, mm-hmm. because especially like yesterday's prayers or last week's. But as the pastor, as the priest of this parish or whatever, I can say, "Well, this is my. I'm, I'm praying this prayer for the, you," and so I can I can say, "Yes, I will pray for you." And maybe that day I remember, or two days or something. Mm-hmm. But next, last month, probably not. Yeah. But again, that's my my intercession. So I do make a little prayer before I begin the liturgy hours. That's awesome. Well, like right now, I'm in desperate need of coffee, but Ron has not provided, so I'm just Whoa. like looking to the Lord to just. It happens all the time in, meet the, my, in the studio really? here. I mean, this is <laughs> it's a desert. At home, all I know is Kerry's serving up nice dark mud this cowboy. Is, you know, this isn't home. <laughs> I bet I'm going to get uh, dirty water coffee, right? Would, <laughs> Well, just this is going to let you appreciate your wife more. I know this—that's the gift that's Ron the has gift given right me. That's intentional. Yes, this is good. It's, it's testing, stretching you. It's good. I like uh, be that. grateful. Kind of like wife. Anna in the temple, pray fasting all day, like fasting as if fasting is a is a, an actual action, mm-hmm. right? Rather than a, a denial of something. Yeah. I, I just I, I want to come around to that. So uh, today, this is uh, Tom Carnum uh, on Sunday Inside with Father Kurt Nagel. We're, we're um, we are. Uh, pre-recording the program on the Feast of the Presentation and just diving into themes connected to the presentation. Uh, we're talking about awareness. Uh, I, I think, I'm pretty sure you know, that what is the traditional name of this feast day? Uh, it used to be the Purification. The Purification. Before. And then even back, is it hmm. Candlemas? Oh, Candlemas, yes. I mean, those are kind of simultaneous. But um, and I think that's a great tradition. We, I kind of touch on it in my own parish. Oh, yeah? Okay. How, how do you do that? Well, uh, for instance, this morning. Mm-hmm. I, according to the, the missile, there's a, a procession with candles. That can, it's an optional thing. Really? And so um, you, you start outside the church. There's a blessing of your candles. And then you light your candle. Well, you light your candles. And then you process in with lighted candles into the church, all the congregation does. Um, I've I, never seen that. That's because I've never, well, priests don't do it. But, and the reason, I think the reason, and I always say that I'm going to, but I never do, is it's usually a weekday. Yeah. And it takes some preparation. Right. And you're dealing probably with a weekday congregation. It's not mm-hmm. a lot of people. I think it's the work to fruit payoff. Um, but I think if we started it, you'd get more people coming. Yeah. It's kind of like Ash Wednesday, or it's like St. Blaise Day. And Ron has shown up. He has shown up big time. And as he as we speak, he's pouring more <laughs> lemonade into my cup. Right. And he and this is dark coffee I've got here. This no. is awesome. You're did you hear hearing, that? Did everybody just heard oh, the servant? Refreshing. The, the the servant the the servant leader is here. This reminds me of 
uh, St. John Bosco's reading. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. That uh, office of readings where he was writing to his Salesian brothers about if you can exercise authority, do so as a servant yeah. after the manner of Christ. I, That's a great reading. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, Carrie and I talked about it on Friday. It was There were insights there about parenting uh. that I've never read in any book on parenting. And I think that's an indication of there really is a parental fatherly role in the priesthood. You know, he he got it. Yep. Um, not all of us have gotten that uh, in terms of understood it. But I think that's a it is a great reading every year to come back to that and say, yeah, it's always it's always worth remembering. Yes, he talks about without hostility in the mind, without contempt in the eyes, which was so striking. And then there was something else like without anger in the voice or something like that. A very strong, powerful set of uh, like challenges. Like we do have to restrain when when there's a misdeed. The big biggest thing we have to restrain is our own anger, mm-hmm. rather than restraining them from doing their their misdeed. Getting back to Candlemas. Yes, please. Um, so what I do... That was a nice transition, by the way, Father. I like how you did that. Yeah, okay, Tom, let's roll it right back in. <laughs> Reel the guy back in. That's a good thing we can do it in person. I, I know, like I know. I love this. So I don't do the procession. Though, again, like I said, I think if I were to take the time to do it, it would, people would say, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I want to do the, the candle procession. Everybody likes lighted candles in dark churches. you know. Yeah. Um, anyway... I do ask, ask people to bring their own candles from home, uh, any candles you're going to use, any candles, you know, whatever what it is, and I'll bless them using the prayer of blessing from the before, the, the procession. There's a, there's a blessing in the missile for the candles. So to make it a candle mass, I just say, hey, bring your candles. Uh, after my homily, I'll bring them and put them on the steps of the altar, and I'll sprinkle holy water on them and give the, the blessing for the candles from Candlemas. So that's, that's my gesture towards the day. That's awesome. Well, we're up against a break. When we come back, we're going to dig more into candles because there is a feast day that happened on Friday as well, um, the day after Candlemas or the Feast of the Presentation or the Feast of the Purification. So lots cover uh, last week. But here we are on Monday. We'll be back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran with Father Kurt Nagel, not Father Lewis. Father Lewis got kind of cheated this time. He did. He was ready to go, but he was left out. He's wailing and grinding his teeth. He wanted to be here, but actually this is the downside of Tom's coming over to the West Side because he usually goes to the studio there. But he has you... He has the pleasure of having you in person all the time. Yes. So this yeah. is a sharing and a stripping away for him. So now I don't have to look at him shaking his head at me when I'm making my points. Or just <laughs> slapping his forehead. <laughs> the dope. Yes, that's right. Now instead I've got to look at you doing that, Father. Actually, but you, again. Or a smirk, maybe. <laughs> no, you just gently say, that's really good, Tom. Oh, back on topic. That's good. You could just kind of reel us back in today. Uh, today we're recording this on the Feast of the, of the Presentation of the Lord. Um, also traditionally called Candlemas, and uh, that feast day, it's not movable. It's connected back to Christmas. And why is it on February 2nd? 40 days. 40 days. Why is that important? 21st, 25th. Yeah. And that's important because that's the traditional day that the firstborn would be brought to the temple, and uh, there was the act of purification um, of the parents. And I think lots of Catholics don't understand that in the liturgical calendar about the Annunciation, March 25th, catch it nine months before Christmas. Yeah. And then the purification or the, the presentation. So it's all fitting. There's a reason for it. Well, and I love that you were like, oh, we're not going to, this is not a movable thing. We're not going to, oh, let's revert this back to the previous or closest Sunday so that the, the feast gets drawn out. No, let's, let's actually integrate it into the daily mass, which I love. Yeah. So, uh, blessed candles. Why are blessed candles uh, like a, a a powerful thing? Like, what, what, how would someone use a blessed candle? You know, it, it's again a sacramental, but it can be sometimes. 
there's different ways to use what you're talking about. Sometimes they, they, they use them um, as part of their prayer corner uh, in the house. They want to have a candle written, lit as they pray. It can be something in front of an icon, a candle placed in front of an icon. There can be other, some of them actually brought um, candles for next year's Advent wreath. Um, wow, what a great idea. And what organization and I was going to say, uh, man, they're, they're planning. On they're on it. Yeah, that's like Carrie buying okay. Christmas ornaments on December 26th whenever they're all on sale. <laughs> okay, to be honest, there's only one lady I saw with Advent candles, but, but she was on it. Um, again, those kind of ideas of, um, hey, it's a sacramental. This is something that's right. important. Like, and, and what I like about it is that it raises the, the, the sense of being aware, like we talked about being aware as we're praying, that there's a spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And that spiritual realm involves invisible realities, including graces and blessings. And uh, there, there are aids that we draw upon in um, fostering uh, a sense of godliness and driving out evil and darkness. So light is to drive out darkness. Use a blessed candle, folks. Let's not leave um, that kind of— Don't leave money on the table. You don't leave, money, don't leave inherit, you know, the inheritance of blessings don't on the sidelines. Grace, don't use leave grace unused. Yes. Yeah, that, that whole sense of the treasury, right? The, the heavenly treasury of graces that's there waiting for us to draw upon it. And, uh, and drawing upon things like blessed items is, is a part of that. Another sacramental is the, what happened on Friday, which was a different feast. Do you remember what it was? St. Blaise. St. Blaise. So here's the, the very popular. It's a very popular feast. Because you get something. Yes. Something happens. Growing up, I remember we would not miss the Feast of St. Blaise in my house. That's why Bishop I, and Martyr. If that's why I think if I were to have the energy and the gumption to go do the procession at Candlemas, I think it would pick up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but anyway, St. Blaise is very popular. And so uh, do you do the, you tie the candles together and yep. then you put them around the neck? Yep. Do you remember the prayer? I know it's a day early here for no, you. You know, No, I, I can't. Do the I intercession cheat. of the I, bishop... Bishop Blaise. and Martyr, Blaise, Bishop and Martyr. Yeah, and then may free you from every affliction of the throat and every other affliction. Yeah, every other harm or evil or something like I that. I got it wrong. Yeah, I no, choose a good. cheat card. <laughs> I put a card right by the candles. By fourth one in, I don't need it, but right. I, I don't want to choke. That's good. <laughs> That's <Literally>. good. Yes. <laughs> I yeah, uh, but I think. And do you know why that bishop? Uh, is connected to the the candles being used as a uh, as a as a what as a no. means of communicating the grace of somehow healing in the throat. No, I, I don't know. either. So I was looking for you. For, Sorry, man, yeah. I set you up. The, <laughs> I know. Well, this is my humble uh, admission that I'm not sure. I think he was Armenian, an Armenian bishop, mm-hmm. but I don't know what the the, the, uh, the tradition is there. I I like the idea though that. Uh, Candles are associated with giving off light, and one of the ways that we bring light into the environments where we go is how we speak. Mm-hmm. And if we speak the truth of Christ, even if that means we're going to be persecuted or even witness with our lives, like Bishop, uh, like St. Blaise, uh, that we're still called to be a light. And so, Lord, you know, open our voices, right? Open our throats to be, to be a witness. That's going to be a good homilies topic right there, because I think lots of people think just literally— it's going to save me from choking on a fishbone or something, mm-hmm. which fine, that's true. But I think that's also a deeper meaning to it that I'll have to steal. Yeah, you go right ahead. This is going to be heard on Monday. <laughs> you see, you're in the clear. I'll so, attribute it to you though. Now that they'll later. I'll say, hey, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're going to use your voice, you better use it authentically. All right, today in the program, um, we're going to reflect a bit on some of the characters in the story of the the, the story, the the event of the presentation of uh, Jesus in the temple by uh, Joseph and Mary. For me, this mystery has um, a deep sense of connection to the lives of um, most everybody who's listening, because it's an act of entrustment. It's an act of dedication. It's an act of consecration or giving over to God. And I know how many times in a parent's life, there is a fundamental act of entrustment that is asked of us. And, and it, you, you'd think that, oh, it, when everything's going well, right, that, that maybe that act doesn't come in, into our minds so much. But it's when there's so much at stake and there's trouble, there's disturbance, there's brokenness. The act of presentation, this mystery just means so much to me. 
I would just think it would be very scary. I mean, things all those, even like the first time the person goes out driving, it's age 16 or something, but, or again, goes off to college or, or has some health issue. I just can't imagine where you're always thinking, Lord, I can't do anything about this. Do you, I've heard of uh, families, for, for instance, who wear metal, uh, medals around, they present blessed medals for their children, or I don't know things, but somehow this, this or dedicate, this is the Blessed Virgin, I'm giving you this child as well. Yeah. I, I don't know how you do that, but I think I would if I had a biological child. Yeah, scapulars. Yeah, I guess so that's the what The scapulars one. I think most of my kids wear a scapular, uh, holy medals. Um, one of my sons had so many holy medals that it was, he, he had like 10. It was clanking all around. <laughs> and it's funny, I think it's genetic because I did the same thing when I was uh, in my late teens. I had so many holy medals on it. It must have had 10, you know. So I started to just carry them in my pocket because it was a bit too obvious. And so he started doing the same thing, which is, I, I, it's funny because we never discussed it. It just happened. So I think there was something, I don't know, something in the, in the, that, that's that concept of the family tree and that inheritance of, of blessings. But you're right about the prayer. Like uh, yesterday I, I had these moments of, oh, let me pray for protection over my son who just got his license last week. Lord oh. Jesus, protect him as he's driving and my other son who's just a year older is driving home at night and, and it's cold and ice lord jesus protect him and then my my other daughter who's gonna go buy a car lord jesus protect her get uh, that's all one day right and, and and that's not even covering all of the that's just covering cars yeah <laughs> just that aspect of things right so wow. it's uh it there is a a constant uh Oh God, come to my assistance! Oh Lord, make haste to help us, help help me, help my kids. And you talked about the good times, but I suppose there's never a time when you're not praying for your kids. I yeah. mean, it, it, there's always something. Especially, you have a certain number of kids. There's always something going on that needs major prayer. Yeah, I think that uh, when they, you you can sometimes read in uh, papal statements about the concept of the generosity of large families, right? Mm -hmm. If you're open to life and, and God blesses you with children, not everybody gets that, but if you're blessed with children, that there is a way in which it's traumatizing. <laughs> it's pretty traumatizing. Uh, or you, you end up living, I end up living in a state of constant, um, on my knees, crying out to God, I am, I'm, I'm pretty much desperate today, Lord. You really need to take over here. That that's just sort of a constant condition. And is that a bad thing? I think it's probably a pretty good thing spiritually for uh, you know for us in terms of being spiritually healthy you know there's an abundance of children there but i think it also it's the same dynamic probably working with um again more children probably less material resources at least you know you're looking at that too and saying boy you know, give us enough mm -hmm. not not so we can be um wealthy but just give us enough so we can be happy we can have enough Yep, and and so it does. Okay, but say that, and but here's the thing. So, I I run around with a lot of people, and a lot of people that have a lot of stuff, and so it's a humbling thing mm -hmm. to have a lot of kids and not a lot of stuff, right. and uh, and and to be happy for them, but not to be um, envious or jealous, and and to be happy with what I have, and to realize that there's a blessing there in terms of what the Lord has given to me. And it's a win-win for you in the sense of it's challenging. I guess it's humbling, but the idea of um, both many children, fewer resources, those both require you to turn to the Lord mm -hmm. uh, in prayer, but also in prayer for the needs. So I think it's there's a reason why those are both kind of the scriptural proddings of saying, hey, be, be generous with life and blessed are the poor. Right. Well, that actually points us to the book club book. We did you get yours in the mail? No. You didn't get What was it? Wow. We have a book club coming up, Father, and it's on the Beatitudes. I've it's, not gotten it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's called Kingdom Something. I, I gotta remember the, the last name of it, but uh, it was recommended and so uh, I guess the, the stab Ron is no, not coming. I'm not, I'm not blaming them. Yeah. I, I, but I need I need to get my book. So I uh, I've been working with the staff and at Sacred Heart Radio and and they said that they mailed it out to everybody. So I, I'm not blaming them. I'm, okay. I don't know what. Oh, happened. No, no, no. If we have a chance live with Ron here, we should be definitely. No, no. <laughs> no. But I will get it. If you email me, I'll I'll get a book. When, when oh no, no, it? they bought it. They okay. got it for you. Don't worry. 
It's it's but it's on the Beatitudes, okay. and so yeah, what you're what you're reflecting on that idea, of blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah, for sure. Here's here's, here's what I think's happened. I wonder if I threw it away. Oh, because you get a lot of books in I the get mail. All these books. I no, you know what I did? I put it on my shelf. Okay, but so you did get it. I think I got it. Okay, I'm, I, th- I think it was I it. it was at least a week ago that it came in. It's been a while. I think Father Lewis said he got his. I, I think I got mine too. Yeah. I hope it's still there when I go home. <laughs> so when are we going to do it? Well, when do you when do you have time? Two weeks? Is two weeks enough? It's a short book. Yeah, short. It's a short book. It, it looks like a pretty, I mean, you know, comfortable read. I'm not saying easy read, but comfortable read. We can take it offline. We figure out a date. But yeah, we'll okay. do that. Book club so, coming up, folks. You get to you're seeing live what we do this here. This is what we do. <laughs> this is. I throw things away that I'm supposed to. <laughs> oh, here it is. The Kingdom of Happiness. Yes, by Father Jeff Kirby. Did, did you get that? The I Kingdom did of Happiness. get that. Yes. It's nobody's fault Thank but my you. own. Ron is providing. Look at that. He just stepped, heart comes through he, again. Just like that, in, a, in the moment, he just stepped right in. The kingdom of happiness. That's the title, yeah. Okay. And that's why it's called the Beatitudes, right? It's, the blessed is, is another word for happy. Okay. So um, diving more fully into the mystery of the presentation. Okay, so lots of figures there. Is there any one that you naturally associate yourself with? Like I, I first associated myself with, obviously, Joseph, St. Joseph and the Blessed Mother in the act of presenting, mm-hmm. right? That my kids are like the Lord Jesus here and just being presented and entrusting them to the Lord. You know, I, I think I was drawn to the prophets, Simeon and Anna. Mm-hmm. And even Anna seems like, well, well probably the least one how, what's my connection there? But I do, I think it's a, I think there's a part of me, the Carthusian that wasn't part of me, because I, I, tr- I tested my vocation with Carthusians. The idea of always being the temple, you know, fasting and praying, keeping watch. Night and day. Isn't it like 70 years? Is yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. Decades. And probably not getting a lot of, you know, again, that's that's your life. There's there's a certain contemplative hermetic um aspect of that that is not you said, you said you just said a complicated word you said the word her- hermetic so oh, what's hermit. hermetic mean uh like hermit like okay and so she's again she's not married at this point mm-hmm. and she's spending all her time in this big old building but she's doing it for purpose very she's watching she's praying and i think there's something attractive that now whether that's me or not i think it's something that's attractive mm-hmm. uh, i found um, in fact Anna was the this focus. The reason, one of these reasons, I said this is in my seminary days in my liturgy class, we had to we had to take one feast day, and we had to do all these things around it, and we had to write a homily for it. And so I chose the presentation. Did you really? And I, my homily was about Anna. I remember that still. Wow. Uh, and I don't know why. Uh, well, what, candle, did you, what did you the say? The candle mess issue was part of it. Yeah. I said I've never I've never seen this before. Okay. And so I I said this, and I. I think what it was was simply a call for all of us to be Anna-like mm-hmm. in the sense of, um, and sort especially of vigilant. Is that the? Uh... And also, I was speaking to a daily mass crowd. There are lots of Annas in the usual daily mass congregation. Yeah, that makes sense. Where the kind of the church ladies or the people who are they just hang around the church a lot mm-hmm. and say, "Okay, um, do you see yourself in this?" And Anna could be again sort of a patron idea for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you also might have lost your husband or, you know, you might be alone. Uh, you love going to church, you hang out. Um, turn it into something more than just a habit. Turn it into this kind of ministry. Yeah. I So I think of a couple of things. The first is, like, I always wondered, okay, here she is. She became a widow very early on. Why didn't she get married again? That was just the first thing. So there was obviously something that drew, drew her to be set apart for the Lord to be dedicated to the Lord. That's the first thing. That that's that wasn't a um, a situation where she was a victim. No. But rather it was something that was an expression of vitality and a sign of what the Lord had for her. And I think that's really important. I think that's important like for instance, um, when I talk to young men or women um, especially men, when when I'm saying to them, "Hey, have you ever considered the priesthood and a celibate life?" And I said, "A celibate life isn't about saying, oh, goodness, I'm prevented from.' I can't marry the good thing I want, which is getting married, and now I've got to suffer through 
um, that. But rather, one of the signs is that you're open to allowing the Lord to nurture and cause to flower in you a sense of, this is my freedom, this is my life, this is my, this is vital and vibrant for me, being celibate. I think that, that it's a deliberate vocation. You hear the call to do it. And I think Anna is a good... In fact, I was thinking, sometimes I've scripture scholars and others say, well, this whole idea of the Christian um, vocation of virgin or widow, uh, those grow up into actual positions in the church. You know, that, where did that come from? There's not, Mary couldn't have been... She couldn't have dedicated herself to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but th- again... It would not have been normal for a Jewish young woman not to have remarried. I think that would probably be fairly unusual. Mm-hmm. And, but so there's this because un- she's idea. very exposed, yeah, right? She and, didn't have any standing and all of that. But she said no. But this is, and, and she is seen as this is this is a possibility. Right. So again, so virginity might as well. Well, and I want to talk about two other facets of, of Anna, and then we'll talk about other characters today. But we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sun Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnum with Father Kurt Nagel, the pastor of St. Monica on Mercer Island and Sacred Heart in Bellevue. Here I am. I'm, I'm with Father Nagel here at the studio in Kirkland. Uh, I'm on the west side today. Uh, I'm on the east side of the west side. That's true. There we go. You're, yeah, that's true. You're the east side of the west. East side of the west, the western part of the state. And uh, today uh, we're talking about uh, the presentation, just reflecting on that, among other things. And uh, we were talking about Anna. So one of the things that sticks out to me is that she was uh, prophesying. And so you talk about gifts like the or, or, or a sense of uh, office or, or role in the early church, the widow, the virgin, and the prophet. Mm-hmm. And here she is, a prophetess. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder, it's like, who was it that confirmed that? Who was it that acknowledged that? Who was it that identified her as being prophetic? I just think that's a really interesting thing. Do you know somebody that you'd identify as prophetic? What does that person look like? What are they? Um, what, what, what's something that is uh, a trait of someone who has a prophetic character about them? I always see somebody who can speak to what God is doing in the moment mm-hmm. and say, "This is what this is what's happening. This is what this is what God is doing." Um, and in, in such a way that... Which I love that because that's a now word now rather word. than a future, future word. But go ahead, sorry. And it brings it brings about both attack and also attraction. Um, I think that's part of the prophetic role. Mm-hmm. If, if, a, if a person is only, throughout the whole period of time, is only uh, honored and... Th- I say, that's usually not the way God's a thing works. <laughs> On the other hand, if... if I think a pro- if prophet's not by God, I think people eventually they, they get it, mm-hmm. and they and they do honor the prophet or prophetess because they recognize this is the word of God that's speaking. So I think of like Saint Athanasius. Mm-hmm. He was prophetic as a bishop. He got beat up a lot. He got beat up a ton. Exiled and, five times. <laughs> exiled and and you know didn't he something happened to his hands? Didn't he? Uh, that's I, I don't remember. They they physically. You know, beat him. He was he suffered tremendously, but he did so in the name of speaking the now word, speaking that word of truth that was most need to be heard at that time. Thanks be to God, he did it. So that's um, I think the call to be a prophet. It, it's not just foretelling the future, folks. It's really about speaking into the present, come what may, right? Um, and but you're saying that's also attractive. Well, I, I do think I, I'm reading this. Uh, I, I didn't know about her before, but. Marie Estelle Harpain. She was. I don't know her. She's up for beatification. The, the French bishops just pushed her, you know, are pushing this. She was a very simple young woman, but she was all about in early 1800s France about Eucharistic adoration and the presence, the real presence in the tabernacle. Hmm. And, and again, she, it's a typical arc, kind of like John Vianney or any other saint, I think, for the most part, that early in her life she, was, she spent a lot of time in prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was an Anna. Uh, in fact, she did the linens for this country church. She she kept the, the sacristy clean, that, that kind of thing. And that she spent nights there, and she, she wanted to live there as she could. She had to be a seamstress part of the time to make some money. She was not a religious. She was a laywoman. Oh, wow. And, and yet, and so people made fun of her. 
uh, they thought she was self-righteous, holier than thou. In the little village, this stuff, stuff happens. But eventually, in the last years of her life, she was recognized as a saintly person, and everybody wanted to be around her. So there was that arc of, and it was she wasn't proclaiming anything with words. She was a very uneducated woman. She was very simple, but she she was proclaiming the real presence in her choices and in her life. And that that's even the prophecy of um, everybody else. Why aren't you doing this? She didn't say that, but from her actions, her life was it was convicting for them. Yeah, and so some of them reacted like, you know, how dare you? Others reacted, you're leading us to to Jesus, Mm -hmm. and it switched over the course of time. Partially as she grew in Jesus, it probably shone out more. Yeah, Uh, is there someone in your life that you'd say is prophetic? Someone who speaks to you in a way that says, "Okay, this is a hard word to hear, but I need to welcome it into my life." Are you talking about like a, 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 It could be an author. It could yeah. be a podcaster. It could be uh, someone in your parish. You don't have to name them. Um, it's someone in your life that it's just like, boy, the way they live is a it's a, it's a sign of contradiction. It's, a, it's like it's piercing my heart. I don't like it. I mean, it's challenging. Not that I don't like it, right? But that's hard to take in. You know, one of the things, I, I've done quite a bit of spiritual direction. I actually don't think I'm that good of a spiritual director, to be honest. But I, the people ask priests. And there are directees who I've had who have done that. I'm supposed to be the director, but but again, I say, hmm, this life is is actually challenging to me. I know from the inside, and so things are happening there, mm-hmm. and they're doing things that I'm not. And so there can be a challenge that I've, I've had a number of people like that who I've known. Again, I'm name that's them. powerful. I, I love that. I mean, you, you wonder, like, man, I'm meant to be a gift to you, but you're being a gift to me. And I think that that's that sense of like fellowship, mm-hmm. right? Like when you, like I think there's a there's a bit of a genius around the idea that Exodus ninety is meant to be done as a group, mm-hmm. you know, rather than as an individual. You try to take on bigger challenges by yourself, you're likely just going to collapse under the burden. It does help. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Father, up against another break, and then when we come back, I want to focus on other characters. You mentioned Simeon as the other one that was a point of focus for you in the um, in in the event of the presentation in the scriptures. Back in a minute with more sound insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran, again with Father Kurt Nagel. If you're enjoying this program, please go sign up for the podcast, which you can. It's the Dr. Tom Curran podcast on Apple Podcasts. Or you can go to sacredheartradio.org, get the app. That way you can listen to and follow Sacred Heart Radio anytime, day or night. And we also uh, keep the book clubs there, the book club editions of the program, which we're reigniting. Yes. Reigniting with kingdom happiness. So uh, I like that. That's Coming up in just a couple of weeks, Father. I'm, I'm calling it. Okay. I'm calling I, it. I, it's good. That's good for me. I like the challenge of I have to read the book. Nice. Nice. And then reflect on it with insight. Well, there we I'll, go. I'll prophetic insight. Yes. Prophetic. Yeah. Not pathetic. Yeah. Prophetic insight. Right. Bring your prophecy to, yeah. to the show next time. Yeah, this is a nonprofit organization. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. You've never heard that before. Okay. Not even funny. All right. So diving back into the reflections on the Feast of the Presentation. I know that was last Thursday. That's when we're actually recording this program. Simeon is the other character. Who is Simeon? Why is he important? What does he mean to you? And again, we're pre-recording this on the day of. So this morning at Mass, um, what struck out, uh, stood out for me, and I didn't actually preach on this because I didn't, I didn't really notice it until I was actually proclaiming the gospel during the Mass, it was just his relationship to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's very explicit. Um, it doesn't mean Anna wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit as well. But he's, he was, he's, been, he ta- he's been talked to by the Holy Spirit. He's driven. He's he's put into the temple by the Holy Spirit. He becomes a voice of the Holy. Spirit. So again, I, he's a. I think he's a Holy Spirit figure in in the New Testament, mm-hmm. and I don't think most people would associate him with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, what's his cool legacy? Like if you think oh, of Simeon, and he's got a cool legacy. He's the last. His his words are the last prayer of the night. Yeah, uh, each day it's for the night prayer in the uh, liturgy of the hours. Yeah, the yeah. liturgy of the hours. So Compline, um, that's almost the last thing you. You do mm-hmm. after before the Salvation Regina. Yep, yeah. So there's a gospel canticle in the main hours, right? In yep. the morning prayer, evening prayer, and night prayer. Yeah. And the night prayer one's the shortest. And uh, it, you know, Lord, now you let me, uh, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled, and it goes on from there. It's a short uh, gospel canticle, uh, but it's 
I think that'd be a, kind of amazing, yeah, right? That, that the words you say didn't just show up in Scripture as you said them, but everybody in the church is praying every your night. prayer every night. <laughs> Man, I got to like this. Like, I don't want to be Longinus, <laughs> right? I don't want to be the innkeeper that didn't give Jesus a room to be born. But man, I think I'd like to be Simeon, Simeon right? Would be good. That'd be a pretty cool. I preached on your insights on the innkeeper for Christmas. Oh, you did? Yeah, very successfully in the sense. I and I, I gave you some credit for it, and they they loved your insight. Nice, nice. Well, did uh, right behind you is the San Damiano crucifix, and you know the figure of Saint Longitus that's there. Do you see him? The, the tiny little figure on the left side. I do. He's really, really tiny. Yep, I see him. And the the striking thing about that you've ever heard it, is that the blood that he caused to flow, right, by nailing in the hands of Jesus and stabbing Jesus in the side with his wound, is the very blood that's covering him. It's falling on him because the blood's going down the arm and it's dripping off the elbow. You've, you've heard that. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. See, I, I wouldn't want to meet him in some ways. On the other hand, he turns out well. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he has a good outcome. Yeah, yeah you don't want to be the bad thief. No, right. you can be Dismas, but not yeah. the other, not the other guy. What does the other guy have a name? I just think he's the loser. <laughs> I mean, because the unrepentant he, sinner. Yeah, yeah. And you can't call him the patron saint. You can't call him the patron sinner because they don't have those. Right, right. He's the well, guy you don't want. You to think be. of Barabbas, right? So he, you know, there there's some bad guys that that have names. But who, he had chances though. Who knows? Maybe he. I think there are traditions where he reforms. I don't know if there's any truth to okay. it. Okay, I didn't but, know that. But he, he survives to live another day and therefore has another chance to, to convert. Okay. So um, so what about the uh, other thing, uh, the other characters? So we have other things that are spoken um, in, the, in the scene of the presentation. Right? I think maybe one of the most famous things said are said to the Blessed Mother right, by Simeon. The heart, yes, the, and to you, uh, a sword you, will pierce. A sword, your heart, uh, your sword shall pierce, yeah. and you uh, and your son will be a sign of contradiction, right? That those are pretty powerful things to hear about the child that that you've brought into the world that you're intending to protect and nurture and raise to be the fulfillment uh, of the promise, the Son of God and Messiah, and to hear that is that. That's going to be hard. Well, I would think I would put it back on you in terms of as the parent listening to the suffering of the child that's being predicted, um, and, and the number of meditations upon that that the idea of the sorrowful mother mm-hmm. is it's all over our tradition, and the idea that to have a child is to suffer, yeah, and and mostly emotionally and spiritually, right. and so I, I think that there's um, that that's going to be spoken to every. Father and mother. I think so. Yeah. What's that um, sort of a, I don't want to say romance, kind of syrupy way of saying it is that to have a child is to have your heart taken out and be walking around outside of your body. Without a rib cage protecting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, that sense of being exposed. Um, there, I think definitely there's that sense of being sensitized to the... Uh, what what it is your child is going through, or what it is your child is doing, mm-hmm. right? That there definitely are, are swords drawn in in those moments. And even if it's not something they're doing bad or sinful, it's just that they're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, they're again, a child dies before the parent, right? As with Mary and Jesus, I mean that it happens and it's horrible. Yes, those are the hard funerals that you yep. do. Yeah, I think that um, uh, it's. It's one of those realities where having hope and having that, having having hope that our future is in God, and having a deep faith that heaven is our true home, is one of the only paths to healing, insofar as healing is possible for those who have that kind of pain and suffering. Right, and as people say, you know, what do you do if you don't have those? Right. Well, then you end up saying things like they'll ever f- live in our hearts, or they'll ever be living in our memories. So they get a tattoo with the, you know, the their right. birth date on it, or put a sticker on the car. Right. Not that you can't also do those things, but um, you know, it. You're left with crumbs, is what you're left with. If if, if the horizon that we're living with is just there, yeah, left so, with dust. Right. Yes. Well, there you go, Father. You're really, it's a really happy program we're having today. <laughs> well, that's part of the presentation, though. <laughs> you're, you're right. You know, Simeon's words. That's that's a very good point. Yes. Messiah's coming in the temple, and this is what's going to happen. So one of the things I think is difficult for 
for parents is that little prayer right there, the Father Delindo prayer. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I abandon myself to you. You take over. Right, that Father Delindo Ruotolo prayer. You know that? I did not. Well, I've seen this prayer all the time, but no, okay. I did not know him. Yeah, he was a stigmatist oh. uh, Italian priest from Naples, a contemporary of Padre Pio. I have not heard of this guy. Oh, oh my goodness! You have to, yeah. you have to get his reflection. Okay. Uh, the Jesus you take over, it is amazing. It is so consoling for parents who are overwhelmed. But really, anyone who's overwhelmed by life circumstances, the Jesus you take over prayer is amazing. But that is an incredible embodiment of the concept of presentation. Okay, but um, I was going to say, do you have any recommendations for parents who are feeling stuck when it comes to making an active presentation, right? Because it it's easy for us just to say it out loud, but... There's that sense of, I just want to control the outcome. I want to somehow make it happen. I'm going to try harder to turn the right button, push the right button, twist the dials. But no, that's not going to be the answer, right? So that was the St. John Bosco again. He's like, in in difficult circumstances, you humbly beg God rather than flooding words at them and, and that don't have any good effect. I do remember that from that that um, the end of, of the letter, yeah. Uh, and it, that's the ultimately, but that's the the challenge of the trusting piece is is God real and is He going to work? Is He going to do something? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is He going to do what I want? But it, we, we tend to go that direction. But the idea that praying is actually more effective than speaking, yeah. and I don't, I think that's a challenge just to believe that. That's John of the Cross, right? When he said, if you would spend half the time that you would doing all those other works in prayer. You'd find that you'd bear more fruit with less work, and you'd bear more fruit in one work than you would by a thousand if you gave half the time to God in prayer. And I think I, I get you can't say this in the moment, but then the the real solution to that situation is just to grow in God. Uh, to so that again, trusting Christ actually doing that because I think mm-hmm. it's just a lack of faith and trust in trusting. Yeah, I and it's something Carrie and I are working on um, this year. The idea of Spending more time in prayer, just spending more time in prayer to allow the Lord to fill us so that we will have the grace and strength we need to make acts of surrender, acts of entrustment, acts of um, restraining our frustration and being more patient and merciful to our kids when they are frustrating us, right? Lent's almost here, Father. So Carrie's word this year is humility. And man, it's like, I I said, Lord, it was her word, not my word, okay? What's your word? Oh, we'll talk my about that My word was later. expiation. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's the fun oh, word. That's right, you, Remember? You, Why you must I words. suffer? But you get words each, each year, don't each you? Each year, yeah, each year. Last year was reparation. I thought I was kind of done with it. And this year, the game got upped. Now I'm on to expiation. And I'm like, Lord, oh. come on, really? Can't I get like, you know, fluffy pillow, <laughs> right? Or, or joy or marshmallow? Well, what a consolation. Consolation. I'll take some consolation, right? Maybe consolations through the door of expiation. That's that's the path of consolation. So yeah, that's the trick. <laughs> well, Father, we've got twenty seconds left. What, what's your final word for folks uh, as we're reflecting on presentation? I would just the idea that um, we come and we offer ourselves to God. We can be the candle. That's what I'd say. Nice. We, if we give light, we give warmth, and we're consumed. We're used up. Uh, for him. Beautiful. What a great way to end the program. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. God bless you all. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight.